So you guys missed this, but last week we did the best show we've ever done, and it's been lost to history by yeah. the vagaries of technology. Okay. Vagaries of technology. I'll put the truth on the table. <laughs> put the truth on the table. Come on, hot take. Hot take. Yes, we lost last week's episode. I'm not saying it was a bad episode. I was okay. Best with, ever. Of some of the ones we've recorded recently, I was okay with losing that one. Okay. I was. Right. Now, there's one episode, and I brought it up before that we lost, and I'm really bummed out about it. Potatoes. It was Munster, Indiana. Yeah. That was a great episode. Oh, because we got to talk about Fred Gwynn. Yeah, well, Fred Gwynn, I told a story about my friend whose mother flipped out when she saw a pet cemetery in the theaters. We did an improv about a Wizard of Oz convention that got really perverted. I, I remember these things. <laughs> That's distinctly. what I missed the most. I, I mean, it was oh, it was great. It was great. And then there was another episode that was in Ohio where yes. we got your amazing Why I Hate Ohio story. Yes. Oh, is, I know. Which someday will be repeated. Mm. I will insist on it. Yeah. Oh, did it so we, we've lost some episodes. That's the only one that I remember hurting Yep, when we didn't have it was that one. I always feel bad that I've got to tell Jess that we've lost the episode, too. Oh, I know. Yeah. yeah. Just yeah. not tell of her. Of course. Yeah, just don't say Oh, she knows. Oh, oh she knows. When it never knows. shows up. I feel mostly happy as you telling Jess <laughs> yeah, that we good. lost an episode. <laughs> right. Sorry, Jess. At least it's I just never don't want to be that guy. Fault. This is Small Town News. I'm Keith. I'm Neil. I'm George. And I'm Craig. And what we do each session is reread small town newspaper articles from small town newspapers somewhere across the United States. We are reading these articles for the first time. They are provided to us by the wonderfully talented but the woefully underpaid Dr. Saxon. Craig's got to tell her. From those articles, we might take a character, a situation, maybe just a singular word, and we're going to improvise stories around it. Maybe you'll hear them this week. Who knows? We're just trying to make big stories out of small town news. Uh, so, Keith, before we get to the place where we are or the picture, look at the picture. Do you recognize the faces of any of those six young ladies looking at back at you from the picture they are there's a bunch of ladies like wearing matching black dresses sitting on a couch honestly and i'm not, I'm not trying to they just look like nondescript uh early 2000s hot chicks what's going on on the right side there third, um third in she's got her hand on oh one's chest yeah like she yeah she's looks pushing like, her back she doesn't want her to be miss penny stock 2012 <laughs> It's like, get out, bitch. Okay, there is this caption is above thing. the picture that says, win $20,000 in cash and luxury travel by becoming Miss Penny Stock 2012. This is your chance to become the face of a company for years to come. And <laughs> why? Why is this happening? Because we're in Orange, Connecticut. That's why this is happening. Well, in penny stocks, what are, are penny stocks like literally it costs a penny to buy a yeah, stock? Yeah, they're a very low-cost stock. Okay. But when they move... If it moves a penny, you oh double. Oh my god! Your money. Is that literally oh. what they're referring to as penny yeah. stock? Yeah, they're so. extremely cheap. Stocks. So you could quadruple your money by having a stock worth four pennies. That's where, yeah. like, yeah. that was what the whole Wolf of Wall Street was about. Yeah, okay. that's where Jordan Belford started. Was was overselling? Well, that's where he made his money was overselling penny stocks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. making like fifty percent commission or something like that. That's so. that's the key. Yeah, but fifty percent commission on a penny stock? If you're buying a hundred thousand dollars worth, okay, yeah, that's, that's a lot a, of pennies. Yeah. yeah. If you're buying a dollar's worth, that is unimpressive. Like, he's not going to call you back. Well, no, that's how he made his money. Instead of selling like Microsoft and Windows or whatever to like rich people, he would sell them Joe Schmo's homemade whatever in their garage. Okay. And sell them a bunch of it. That's and, where yeah. he made his money. And they didn't know it was in a garage. Yeah, they would oversell it. Yes. Okay. They did not know. With a population of fourteen thousand two hundred, Orange is located in New Haven County in Southern Connecticut. Near the Long Island Sound, New York City is 75 miles to the southwest and Providence, Rhode Island is 100 miles to the northeast. Woodmont Beach, the closest ocean access to town, is a 13-minute drive to the south of Orange. The beach is located in Milford. Milford and Orange were once a single town, with present-day Orange taking up the northern and eastern sides of present-day Milford. By the early 1820s, the population of the area had grown to the point where residents desired to form their own separate community, thus forming the town of Orange. Weird name for a town. It is, in mm -hmm. Connecticut. It's like, I'm yeah. tired of having a town that rhymes with other things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Orange, like many places in America, was named in honor of King William III of England. <laughs> All right. <laughs> William was from the Dutch House of Orange. 
and he took the British throne in 1689. That makes a lot more sense. The politics of William's rise to the throne will make Keith die of boredom. <laughs> it's on his face right now. <laughs> He's like, what? I heard my he name. already checked out. Uh, that, w- that was jarring. <laughs> that was jarred out of boredom. <laughs> so instead of discussing old, complex, royal ascents, let's talk about the fact that William was an avid player of, quote, real tennis. Oh. Real tennis. <laughs> oh. He's back. <laughs> As opposed to like we sports tennis. Perhaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we, we don't do this love bullshit. All right. <laughs> we counting with numbers, bitch. <laughs> Real tennis, also called the sport of kings, is the precursor to the modern game of tennis, also called lawn tennis. However, William would have just called the game tennis. The term real was first used by journalists in the early 20th century as a retronym to discuss the ancient game from modern lawn tennis. I'm thinking like lances and knights. Wouldn't that be the sport of kings? I, apparently not. Okay. I mean, they don't, <laughs> the kings sit there and watch other people do that shit, right? Okay. They don't. Right, right. Uh, it, was this still in the time where they were like, they would just send people out to fight to the death? With, with so tennis I racket. think that was the yeah. sport. Yeah, they then. did it on a tennis court, though. Yeah. <laughs> It's much more painful when you kill a man with a tennis racket. (laughs) That's why they dress in white, so the blood has a really nice contrast. (laughs) But they still make those terrible grunting sounds when they hit. (laughs) That's where that comes from. Yeah, that's the sound of the person being hit. (laughs) Well, to prolong the death even further, William's tennis balls were made of cork, and his rackets were made of wood and strung with cat gut. Cat gut is a term for any cord that is prepared from the natural fiber found in the walls of animal intestines. But cat gut is not made from cats. The string comes from donkey, sheep, goat, mule, pig, or horse intestines. While cat gut is typically associated with racket and instrument strings, it was also used to hang weights in grandfather clocks and as surgical sutures. It definitely was used in old banjos. Like, and now you can get yeah. something called Nile gut, which is not Same made of any sort of animal. Same for tennis. Really? String. Nile yeah. gut. Non-animal gut. Or just plastic gut. (laughs) (laughs) Whenever I hear of things being made from intestines, my first thought is always... Chitlins. (laughs) Delicious. (laughs) Yeah, why are we eating this? Um, No. (laughs) The first thing I think of is this wasn't the first option, right? Like, they tried other things first. Like, you don't... Intestines isn't the first go-to when you're making something. You see a pile of intestines and think, I could make a banjo. (laughs) Hey, I could hit a ball with that. Yeah. <laughs> well, it always makes me think of sutures like for oral surgery. That's the first time I ever heard of cat gut. And that's what they mean by surgical sutures. So really, who was the first person who was like, my mouth is bleeding, I need some help. And they said, quick, cut open a cat. <laughs> Modern medicine. If you need a palate cleanser after thinking about cat gut and oral sutures, Head over to the North American headquarters of Pez in Orange. Hell yes. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. Founded in 1927 in Vienna, Austria, Pez was first marketed as a, quote, compressed peppermint sweet. Pez is an abbreviation of a German word for peppermint. Pef <laughs> There are there, And that word is a P, an E, and a Z. As their manufacturing process evolved, the candies took on their current hard-pressed brick shape, the first Pez dispensers, called Regulars, were similar in shape to a cigarette lighter and dispense an adult breath mint marketed as an alternative to tobacco. The Please, can- I'm getting hungry over here. I know, right? The candy expanded into American markets in 1952, and by 1955, the company was targeting children. <gasps> yes, rather than adults, like cigarettes, um, with their products. Santa Claus, Mickey Mouse, Popeye, and Donald Duck were on the first kid-themed dispensers. So I always have mints. I've got some here on the table. I would like to have a Pez dispenser that had these kinds of mints. If they went back right. to that, I sure. would probably have a fancy yeah. little Pez dispenser in you my would. pocket. Yeah, much more convenient yeah. than a big old round thing. You might trade them out depending on what your outfit was that day. You might have a fancy one for church. <laughs> you know, <laughs> You might have... Yeah, you might have evening evenings on the top, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah your your nightclub in Pez dispenser. Versus yeah, your, it'd be kind of flashy. I'm just exercising and sort of hanging out, or just going to work. You don't want anything too flashy or That's controversial. Right. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm not a smoker, but I always think it looks cool as hell. I know, it's like those metal cigarette like the cases. Oh, lighter. Well, those too. too. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, like the the whole packaging. And yeah. presentation of right. smoking. I'm just like, that's cool as hell. I mean, I'm, I have no reason to do it. That's the reason why I want to start drinking so I can carry a flask. 
Don't flask always look kind of cool. Right? I'm like, in it, man. You'll be fine. I was like, you can put anything you want in a flask. Yeah, but nothing that needs to be refrigerated. <laughs> well, you could put a wine True. punch in there. You could. You could that, that makes more sense than like milk. That'd be I, <laughs> It's my milk flask. <laughs> it's a white Russian, baby. That is way more temperamental. Body, body temperature milk. It doesn't that sound great. It's just my for, cheese flask. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, take it with you. Uh, just at the start of the day, in the morning, and yeah. the, like, cause do you go out for breakfast every morning? Not every morning, but I so in the morning breakfast. that you go out for breakfast and you put a little half and half in your coffee, just pull that out, <laughs> pour it in. <laughs> what you got? Oh, so God. if you filled it with non-dairy creamer, like the stuff that they leave on the table, like almond milk. Oh, no, you no. mean like oh yeah, because like almond milk still needs to be refrigerated. Cups. Yeah, I would get, more, I would get more use out of the Hawaiian punch <laughs> in mine. Like I, I hit a hard part of the day, and I'm just kind of like, man. You pour, like you pour that in your coffee? Just no, just take a little sip. Yeah. Just a little bit of that sugary sweetness. Be like, oh, all right. Let's get back to that. That will day. get you some looks at a meeting, right? Right. <laughs> There's nothing that says it has to have booze in it, right? You can't exactly. have Just take a little nip. If anybody asks, yeah. you say, it's Hawaiian punch. What's wrong with yeah, you? Yeah, it's okay. It's Hawaiian punch. <laughs> Everybody loves Hawaiian punch. Yeah. You don't need to smell it. <laughs> don't even ask me about my Pez dispenser. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> That's when they had the adult themed Pez dispenser. And you put it in your pocket, it just looked like a giant dildo. <laughs> Don't worry, this is for candy. Uh, oh, that's what we're calling it. Yeah. Uh, let's see, let's see. Pez built its orange facility in 1973, and later in that decade, the company produced dispensers with Betsy Ross, Daniel Boone, and Paul Revere for America's Bicentennial. Since 1991, the Pez-a-mania convention has been held in Cleveland, Ohio, and since then, other places across the globe have started their own conventions. The trading of, quote, valuable dispensers has been happening for decades. The most highly valued dispensers to date are, quote, three political donkeys, each valued at over $13,000, one of which was owned by John F. Kennedy. In 2015, an animated film version of Pez was in the works, but the project seems to have stalled. Less than a decade after Pez opened its doors in Orange, Timothy Sykes was born in town. While enrolled at Tulane University in Louisiana, Timothy rose to fame as a penny stock trader. In 2003, the same year he graduated from Tulane, he founded Cilantro Fund Management, a hedge fund with $1 million in startup costs being gifted to him by friends and family. In 2006, the same year as his company closed due to heavy financial losses, Timothy was, quote, included on Trader Monthly's 30 under 30 list of up-and-coming traders, a selection which editor Randall Lane later called our worst pick among the chosen honorees. <laughs> Apparently, Timothy had been marketing his company as the number one long-short microstock hedge fund in the country, according to Barclays. Barclays is a prestigious and well-respected British bank, but that's not the Barclays Timothy was talking about. Timothy's number one rating actually came from the Barclay Group, Ooh. a small research company based in Fairfield, Iowa a fact that Timothy didn't think was worth clarifying. In 2008, in an attempt to reclaim his position as a Wall Street guru, he invested $12,415, the total sum of the cash gifts from his 1994 bar mitzvah, <laughs> and he turned that investment into $1.6 million in profits for a desperate grab for attention. No, sorry, $1.6 million in profits for himself <laughs> through day trading. But once again, his success was short-lived. In 2012, in what seems like a desperate grab for attention, Timothy created Miss Penny Stock, a financial beauty pageant among the female representatives for his brand and company. In recent years, Timothy has become best known for his public Twitter feuds with Shaquille O'Neal, Justin Bieber, and Bow Wow. Who would engage with this dumbass? <laughs> I don't know. He had a lot of people fooled. He got on that 30 under 30 list, right? Yeah. He was yeah. legitimized by Barclays. But, but then you know that he's a dumbass. Like if someone screams obscenities at me and I just don't care, why re-engage? Yeah. But he, I guess day trading, he was able to amass a fortune again. Well, they said he lost it again too, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, he, he got it back up to $1.6 and then he had Miss Penny Stock. Enjoy your time in Orange. Annoy everyone on the courts by claiming to only play real tennis with animal guts. Wet your whistle after a vigorous game with some compressed candy that shoots out of a plastic head. And then pop onto Twitter to see who Timothy is enraged lately. Thanks, Jess. Thanks, Jess. West Haven Brothers open unique bar, Eatery, in Orange by Pam McLaughlin. 
Brothers Mike and Chris Del Vecchio of West Haven have always been entrepreneurs individually, but now they've pulled their creativity in opening Barcode, a bar and restaurant that offers everything from bingo and dancing to deep fried peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. It's a place anybody what? can go. <laughs> deep fried peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Remember the last time you were out on the town, Neil, and you thought, you know, this is good and all, but where's the bingo? Where's the dancing? Where's the deep fried peanut butter sandwich? <laughs> I mean, that's just the thing that Elvis did. I've never heard of that happening anywhere else. <laughs> this is just Elvis's basement. That's what this bar is. So let's talk about deep fried for a minute. You, you've all cooked grilled cheese sandwiches. That's just cooked on a pan with butter. That's not deep frying a sandwich, right? No. Right. Correct. Okay. Not. So have you ever had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich that was cooked like a grilled cheese? No. Yes. Uh, right. I have yes. to. Yeah. And, what? And that's that's good. I've that's never, not what Elvis did. Apparently Elvis, what did he, bread it? No, 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 no. Put no, it no, in no, a no, fryer? No. Did he I, cover it with donuts? I'm stuck on grilled peanut butter and jelly. I, I, well, I've done peanut butter and honey, but I guess jelly would work. But yeah, you, you've done that. Yeah. It's good. It just makes a buttery sandwich. Yeah. It just makes it nice. It makes Like just it, in a pan? Like, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I've never a, done that, but I can imagine yeah, it. Yeah, let's say you want a sandwich for dinner, but you want a hot meal too. Just grill it up. Grill up your peanut butter and jelly. No. <laughs> that sounds uh, so. Truth be told, I do not like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. But have you tried them fried? I won't be. That's not frying. But I always yeah, that, thought that that's is, what that's Elvis meant when they would say Elvis would eat peanut fried peanut butter and banana sandwiches. That he would cook it like a grilled cheese. Did he actually? De so deep frying to me is you either toss it in breading or you toss it in donut stuff. And then deep fry it at a state what, fair. What's what donut, donut stuff? stuff? <laughs> you know, like like when you have a deep fried Twinkie or deep fried Oreo, all it is is a donut with an Oreo in the middle. It's donut batter dumped in a deep okay, fry. Yeah, batter. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah so like yeah. donut stuff. Oh, your batter. Donut I think it's more was. akin to pancake <laughs> batter. Right. So is that what? It's my dating profile into donut stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Long walks on the beach, donut stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, he. Deep fried it. I mean, he deep, had a fry. Deep fried also suggests that it's submerged it in does. something. It does, yeah. yeah. <sighs> so, yeah, uh, I've heard stories of, you know, he had planes in, in Memphis, like a, a larger one and a smaller one, on more than one occasion would fly to Vegas just to have the one that he liked the best. That sandwich. That sandwich specifically because he could afford it. And so yeah. he would like get friends on a plane and they would all leave, Going to lunch. Show, show up to Vegas at 3 o'clock in the morning to have this sandwich that he liked and told everybody about. Then get back on the plane, fly back. So, do you think there's donut stuff in that sandwich? Yes, like if dipped in absolutely dipped in batter and actually deep fried. Probably yes, I would sugar so. on it, like a donut. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, but his were peanut butter and banana, right? Yeah, not jelly. That's crazy. Yeah, which, which <laughs> what makes this? Yeah, that was the problem I had. It was the jelly. Everything else made perfect and <laughs> <laughs> sense. <laughs> there's dancing <laughs> and bingo, bingo. <laughs> There's bingo dancing. Deep fried bingo. Deep fried bingo. <laughs> With donut stuff. <laughs> Wasn't there a dog named bingo? <laughs> Coming up to the stage. <laughs> donut stuff. <laughs> Terrible. It's a place anybody can go. There's something different going on every night. Even Neil. <laughs> Chris Del Vecchio said. That's in the article. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Chris Del Vecchio's got your number. I'm hoping they make it, said Carol Smullen. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> director, executive director of the Orange Chamber of Commerce. They're young, they're enthusiastic, and they've been in business before. So, so the director of their chamber said, I hope they, I hope make, they it. make it. They've been in business Look, before. We've done our part. We had a ribbon cutting. <laughs> we had giant scissors. Now it's up to them. To bring people in for bingo dancing and deep fried donuts. Really stuff. close to recent events. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, we've done our part. Orange was lacking a good bar, Mike Del Vecchio said. Still is. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and after two months, he already loves the business because, quote, he's meeting a lot of good people. You know what I have to see. Bro code. Oh, you're going to look it up? See if it's still open. See how many people yeah. died from their oh, sandwiches? Boy. Oh, hmm. What pops up is Latin Escape Bar and Restaurant. I'm not sure what a Latin escape bar is, but <laughs> it's uh, it's the is it at the border? Yeah, we moved to Texas. Yeah, are are, are we escaping <laughs> to something Latin or are we going away from? I don't know. No, 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 it's the language. sheriff on the Texas border. It's it's the language. Latin's a dead language. All, it just don't allow you to speak it. That quote from the lady. I just hope they make it. 
Yeah. Like the first thing I think about is, and we have them here in our town, every town has them, is the black holes of commerce. The building. <laughs> the band? <laughs> <laughs> that is a great band name. Yeah, I'll, the I'll, black I'll give you commerce. that. No, I'm talking about those business fronts, those buildings yeah. that can never hold a business. Oh, yeah. right. Oh, okay. We've talked about the, the hot dog store on Trent Road. Right, And yeah. it's been a hot dog store eight times. Yeah, it is. It's another hot dog store now. Another person shut that place down as a hot dog store, and someone else says, you know what this needs? It needs a hot dog store. Yeah. And they've got another hot dog store. Because part of the problems with the black holes of commerce is that, especially when it's any type of restaurant or food dealings, is that what else do you do with a pizza oven? It's in there. You don't want to move it out. Hot dogs. Yeah. No, I guess you could cook uh, hot dogs in a pizza oven. <laughs> Seems like a waste of space, but one hot dog. Yeah, <laughs> one at a time. Hold on, give me a second. Let me fire up the old yeah wood fired. That was like the wood fired hot dog stand. <laughs> now coming to the stage, it's one hot dog and a pizza oven. <laughs> <laughs> but the Latin Escape Bar has the same address as what was Barcode. Okay, because it's the same building. It is. That's a weird name, though. Latin Escape? Latin Escape Bar. Are we escaping to or from? That's my only question. My thought, I'm presuming we're escaping from other things to get to a to get into an area where, all right, we're hanging out with other Latino folks. That would be my guess. Because otherwise that's terrible. Or it's an escape room and it's all in Spanish. That's what That I would be more fun. Was. It's probably more likely that. The pictures oh, suggest wow. that it's probably more of an... I would not do well. <laughs> what does this door say? Yeah. Just, I found the clue. I just don't know how to read it. I went to Europe last summer. I played German escape room. <laughs> I took no translation documents or a phone and just got off a train and wandered around until the I room was roughly the size of a country. Yeah. Isn't that every isn't that every foreign country you go to yeah. if you don't speak the language? Yeah. It's all an escape room. You like, want to try to get you have a I'm certain here. deadline that you need to be on a plane. <laughs> How do I get out of this place? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what can you do while you're there? Yeah. And yeah. still make it back inside. <laughs> Historian treasures pre-human artifacts by Jill K. Dion. Tim Chaucer, who runs the Milford Marine Institute Museum, has a historian's love of old things. So when he got a call about five years ago from a Milford man who was getting rid of his grandfather's collection of artifacts... Some likely acquired during the years he funded Yale archaeological digs. Chaucer headed right over. The man who called Chaucer said the collection had gotten wet, and he planned to throw away the items they could give away. <laughs> Chaucer and his assistant spotted some interesting items right away, like three-legged pots dating to the 18th century. Quote, and then I see these three Hold stone on, How tools. many legs do pots supposed to have? I three thought, or four? I thought none. A three-legged pot? Yeah. My pots don't have any feet. That's because you fire. don't put them over coals. Oh. You, so they're for camping. The, they didn't have what you consider an oven back in the 17th, 18th century. So camping. Like people living <laughs> no, outside? <laughs> but in a house. Okay. Like we have this thing called Tryon Palace locally. Yes. And if you go into the, the kitchen, they cook on pots that are either hung or they're pots with legs that you set over coals. So the, the legs are built into the pot. Yeah. So when you take that pot out of there, you got to be, everyone's got to watch out when you're swinging around with that in the kitchen. How long do you imagine these legs to be? <laughs> well, these are, there's got to be are, some length to them because the fire's got to get underneath. They're called legs. <laughs> I was going to say that or they're just not legs. They're not called nubbins. Yeah. Like they're full out <laughs> legs. Yeah. yeah. So, they've got to have knees. They, well, there's got to be a minimum, what, one foot? Yeah, you call no. it a leg. No. <laughs> no. How long are these quote unquote legs? Six, six inches, inches maybe, maybe at the most. Like never seen anybody with six inches. I'm legs. with George. That's a nub at best. Babies have longer legs than that. Yeah. You a, also think they're just for camping. I'm guessing. Yeah, it's olden times. So you know, before people lived inside. So it's Cookie's pot. Yeah, gotcha. Cookie's got legs on his pot. <laughs> are they chilly? Get that chili all cooked up good. <laughs> Cookie's got a pot Derek he can hang it from. What's a Derek? <laughs> Is that another camping term? Don't look at me. I thought legs were on a pot were one foot tall. I would have called it a tripod, but Derek seemed like more fun. Things that are old, that have lasted, that while all the other things like them have disappeared or broken, should have value just because they're still here. Okay, so what is the value? Is it monetary or is it just a, look, this survived weather? That should equate to monetary value. Just just survival. Surviving weather? Yes, and the world, and history. 
Isn't it more like, can you make one? Well, you could probably make everything better now than you could back then. And like if we wanted a, a Culean hand axe, we'd probably just go down to Lowe's and get a hand axe. You don't have to go use a rock. So, But the value of this object is just for you to walk past it and say, oh, that's interesting, and then walk walk away. Like right. That would be the end of it. Like, Unless it, no one would actually use this anymore, no, right? No, but you would use it to talk, like to go to a museum, right? It's Museums are full of this, just old stuff. I know, and, it's, and it's that's why you might go you in to see, do with that. I want to see the oldest hand axe ever found in Milford or Orange. But how valuable is that really? That's 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 interesting to look at for several It's culturally seconds. significant. Sure. Oh, if it's still around, right. It's but all, that's it. Yeah, and I can't even think of an example, but I know I've seen something definitely not by millions of years, but it's more interesting to like you go somewhere, it's like, this is still in use, and it's been used for I, hundreds upon hundreds of years. It's like people that get really old. You celebrate somebody's 100th birthday maybe more than their 90th. <laughs> yeah, because it's, I'm, because I'm, they've I'm lasted. so glad it. Celebrate came after sell because I'm like we're talking about monetary <laughs> no, no, value no, no. of old things. Celebrate, oh, celebrate. <laughs> yeah, you, you sell old people. No, you put them in a museum and you say, look. I mean, that was at least twenty dollars. It's not just the carbon. Yeah, but like it's like the oldest. Like somebody's about to turn a hundred years old. That's a big deal. Well, it depends if you can still use them. <laughs> can somebody else use them? Can, can you? Can you make another one? <laughs> What's the market? <laughs> I mean, the more 100-year-olds we get, the less marketable 100-year-old people are. That's true. And it's only a big deal if not everybody lives to be 100. Yeah, and if you, yeah, if you've already got a 100-year-old, uh, any others are totally valueless. I know. Thanks. I already got one. <laughs> I've got one in my collection. <laughs> yeah. But there's somebody in Newburn about turning 108 or something. Did you hear about that? I do not value that information. <laughs> <laughs> Would you go to a museum that that person was in? <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. No. Right? no. I might. You I might. Are they a good storyteller? You know, they've been around that right. long. They got some good stories. Right. I'd like to hear it. If sure. let's say the museum had two exhibits. One is the hundred year eight year old woman, the other one's an Aculean hand axe. Which one would you spend more time at? It depends on who's the better sure. storyteller. I would I, call the police on the museum. <laughs> I assume it's okay in orange. They, you know, they got some Odd practices. And it might depend on whether you wanted to hear an old story or you had a sapling that needed chopping down. No, did you want to hear that. stories? That's actually good history. You're yeah. going to learn something out of that. And you want to know what do you have for breakfast every day? That's the other thing, right? No, that's, no. that's not a yeah. good story. Not the act, no. the old person. You want to know, you want to know, like, what's the secret to your longevity? And they say, I smoke cigarettes or I drink liquor or I eat blueberries. I mean, you want to be like, okay, maybe I should smoke cigarettes, no, eat because, liquor, and, because, because and all eat blueberries. All that's arbitrary. You know, George Burns lived to be like 110, and he smoked cigars every day of his life. If he hadn't, he'd still be alive. If you smoke as many cigars as George Burns, most people are not going to make it that long. Somehow he did. No, it gives us a pass. We know it's arbitrary, but when we hear that person say they had a drink of yeah. liquor every day, it's like, okay. I can do that. I can do that too. We cut to a news reporter interviewing a uh, older gentleman, now the oldest person in this town, 107 years young. I knew this day would come if I just lived long enough that uh, people would want to gather and hear my wisdom. Uh, what would you like to know, Sonny? What do you eat for breakfast? What did I eat for breakfast that got me to 107 years old? Yep, yep. First, I cook up a batch of bacon. Then I just throw the bacon away, and I just drink a mug of the grease. I'm, I'm sorry. What? I drink a mug of the hot, bol scalding hot bacon grease. Don't even let it cool down. That's where the vitamins are. That does explain the scars. Um, oh, yes, yes, yes. No, I don't talk like this because I'm old. I talk like this because of the scalding hot grease down my gullet. So you probably can't taste anything. They, my taste buds are shot, which makes the rest of my diet a lot easier. Oh, uh, do you have anything with the bacon grease? Well, not for breakfast. No, not if you want to live to be 107. Oh, okay. Well, what's lunch? Oh, uh, lunch is manure. Um, like Doesn't matter to type. That's where the variety comes in. It can be dog. It can be horse. Heck, one time I was so desperate it was my own. But it's okay. Can't taste nothing because of the great of the grease. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. But that's not all it takes to be 107 years old. It's more than diet. It's about keeping active. Yeah, I figure there's some physical activity with your diet there. Absolutely. Uh, so okay. What uh, I mean, what do you do to keep yourself fit? You look like you're in shape. 
That's right. Thank you for noticing. You you want you got to keep your legs active. If the legs aren't active, then the rest of your body can't be active. So I like to kick stuff. I prefer puppies. Whoa. You cut, are a- cut back to the editor's office later that day. Listen, I, Johnson, we cannot print any of this. I don't know what to do with this. We w- People want hear from this man about something they can apply to their own life. He eats... Bacon grease, shit, and saltines. We can't print any of that. This thing about kicking puppies, I can't believe you brought that to me. Go back out there and find something that we can print that will give our people hope as to how they can live this long. Cut back. If you could not do that while I'm here, I would really appreciate that. Well, what would you Um, want me to do? Kick a a fully grown dog? I'm not strong enough for that. I'm 107 (laughs) years old. That's why it's got to be puppies. Okay. And you... And you got any fun stories from your childhood? Maybe that uh, did you? Were you ever married? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I was married two times. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, you, yeah. Okay. At the same time. Okay. They didn't know about it, oh, but that's man. what kept me to 107 years old. Because I imagine if either one of them found out, it probably would have killed me. Yeah. Was wow. it legal? <laughs> I, I know. I'm but aware. the excitement of getting caught, I don't know, just does something for the adrenaline. Everybody should do something illegal every day just to keep the endorphins going. Okay. Uh, it, it can be something big. I guess maybe that would last you like a week or a month, depending on what the felony is. Uh, but that's why I preferred the multiple marriages, because it was just a little bit of lie every day just to keep me going. Maybe I'm on a business trip this week. Uh, maybe I'm stuck in traffic one night. You know, that's where the endorphins come in. 107. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Come back to the editor's office. Johnson, I don't you're know our best you reporter. Do. You can do this. Look, it's a human interest angle. Or what did he, I don't know, what did he do for a living? What did he, you know, how did he amass the- I'm afraid to ask. He's the richest man in our town. Old man McGillicuddy, we know. He just leaps on, you know, $100 bills. How did he amass That is actually not true. Oh, you didn't find the $100 bills? No. God, I was hoping you would get a picture of that. No, he's, all right, I'll go back. Go back there and get us something we can use. I feel so popular. Three days in a row. It's it's actually all been the same day, sir. You just keep napping. Oh 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 man! I've I've drunk too much bacon grease today. I keep th- I keep taking naps, waking up. And You've done it's it. A new day. You've done it every time I've shown up. Oh God! Um, I'm probably going to live to be 150 now. Uh, maybe. Well, uh, what'd you do for a living? You've you've done quite well for yourself, sir. Well, I mean, there's what I told people I did for a living. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> What's that? Oh, well, I told people I was a meter reader, like reading the gas meters for the city. I didn't work for the city, though. Dare I ask what you did for a living? Oh, that was a ruse just to get into people's houses. (laughs) I'd steal little odds and ends here and there. You know, you got to steal things that can't be traced, though. You know, like like actual hard currency, uh, interesting odds and ends within the house, but nothing too personal. I gotta say, you're you're a pretty damn despicable person. Yeah, but I lived to 107. What do you what what do you do every day that's gonna make you live to 107? Hopefully nothing. If it's being like you that that makes this happen. Oh, I mean, did you was there anything redeeming in your life? Did you even love or know your mother? Sweetie. Oh God. Baby! Oh God. Not you woke her up now. Okay. Once you speak her name, she wakes up. Talking to her. Nothing, mother. Just go go back to sleep in the basement. Uh, Is this Mrs. McGillicuddy? Oh God, yeah. She. You you don't even want to know how old she is and what she had to do to get to that age. I'm two hundred and seven. Shit, she's done to get to this age. Uh, (laughs) uh, I'm sorry, uh, mom. What did you want for breakfast today? Uh, could you just break down the dead puppies that you kicked to death for me? It's, it's a pretty good system. I kick the puppies to stay in shape, and then she eats them. Sometimes they're dead, but, you know, who? she doesn't know. It's uh, better with the blood still warm. I... I'm so when are, you gonna, when, when are you going to print all this? When are we going to be... Do you want to take a picture of us together? No. No. <laughs> Mom, put a shirt on. That would be terrifying. (laughs) They're going to take our picture for the paper. Pants, too, if you're going to be doing that, please. Uh, Hey, sweetie, you're you're pretty good looking. I am not. I am not attractive at all. 
And you know the other thing I do every day? No, please don't. <laughs> please don't say it. Come back to the editor's office. You can go back this time. Oh, no, 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 no. He's going to scrap this whole story. Here's your brothers. They've opened a new bar, and we're just going to talk about that, okay? I'm in. Okay. And scene. Yeah. <laughs> Are we going to have takeout from Broco? <laughs> Former Dollar Magic owner finds niche in inexpensive party supplies by Pam McLaughlin. When Raj Dez closed his popular Dollar Magic store, Dollar Magic store in West Haven recently, because the rent increased, he remade his business into a discount party supply store and moved it only a few miles away because he considers his customers like friends and family. None of that makes any sense. No, it doesn't. They have followed him to the new store, Party Magic and More. At 65 Boston Post Road in Orange, from as far away as Stamford, Dunbury, Massachusetts, he said. My customers are like family. That's very important to me. Making a business, you only earn a living, but to be in people's hearts keeps me going, Des said. I'm very good at parties because it comes from the heart, Des said. <laughs> don't, don't laugh at his talents. I love to go out of my way to make customers happy. He, he, word for word, he's even went as far at Dollar Magic as throwing a baby shower for a customer who was having financial problems. My customers are my friends first, he said. Family second. <laughs> customers third. <laughs> he said party decorations and favors don't need to break the bank. Part of his niche is items that can cover walls and transform non-fancy rooms into banquets. <laughs> say non-fancy rooms? Yes! <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing my best to read this word for word <laughs> and not accidentally correct anything. Among the wall coverings are glittery spandex, shimmery material in various colors, and panels of wisteria. And, and it has to be spandex, like what, in case the room gets bigger? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> the room's growing. I knew we should have pitched in for the spandex wall covering. Customers can buy the wall coverings or rent. Hey, can you not afford the dollar store items? <laughs> Don't worry, we rent them. The best part about it all, Des said, is that he can keep the prices down because he knows the market. His business philosophy, Des says, is to be fair and keep the doors open. <laughs> oh, oh, you locked the doors. Your customers couldn't get in. Well, there's your problem, Des. <laughs> I just love this kind of business, he said. I love getting hugs from my customers. <laughs> End of article. <laughs> Towns Arts Council holds exhibit by Kendra Wingate. The Milford Arts Council held an exhibit call for artists of all skill levels, as both members and residents were invited to participate in the 2019 open theme show for two-dimensional media. The recently went renovated MAC, or MAC, welcomes more than 12,000 patrons and engages more than 800 performers and artists at its more than 250 annual events. We have so much talent here, it's really amazing, explained Lori Lewis, marketing director. The arts are really all about connecting the community, helping the community to thrive, to communicate, and to offer opportunities for the community to come together and have conversation around interesting ideas and concepts. It's a way we bring everybody in the community together. Our tagline is Heart of the Arts. We feel we are, we are an integral part of the community as a whole. The Members Resident Show opened its doors and received works from dozens of artists January 11th and 12th. Due to popular demand, entry rules permitted only one recent and original two-dimensional piece per artist framed, a maximum of 24 by 36, and wired for hanging with a submission fee of $20. I've been painting full-time for the past two years, but I've been an artist my whole life, said exhib exhibitor Kathy Leontis, artist and instructor. I love exhibiting here in Milford. They're so receptive to all levels of artists, and it's a great venue. 
I entered one of my favorite paintings, a rocky coast shoreline that I have done for Monegan Island in Maine. I also have a home studio, art for everyone, and encourage my students who are participating in the, to participate in the show as well. This non-juried open theme exhibit of two-dimensional media will award a first, second, and third place. Cut to uh, meeting of the Arts Council that following week. <clears throat> I appreciate you coming, uh, Executive Director Smith. Um, I mean, you said it well, was important. It's so. important. We've only got 250 annual events at the Arts Center. Yeah. Last time I checked, 365 days a year, you need to bring us another 115 events. Got any ideas? Because if you don't, we do. So an event for every day is what you want. That's what we need. Um, if you have some ideas, I, I, I pretty much, my tank ran dry on one-dimensional art day. You got nothing other than one-dimensional art day, which was just a series of dots, if I remember right. In, in his defense, portalism was once a very important uh, style of art. I'm po just saying. Commissioner Humphreys, I understand he was your pick. He was your pick to be this position. So defend him all you want, but we got to come up with some well, ideas. Well, I can't let you talk so much crap about my nephew, all right? Listen. Now, let's just see if we can come up with another event. Look, I'm Councilman Tomlinson over here. <laughs> yes, sir. Look, you got to understand, I think we spend way too much time talking about the arts council and arts events and arts this and arts that. What the hell is art? Isn't it subjective? Art can be just about anything in the world. Can Oh, God bless America. Y'all got me so worked up. I just spilled coffee Ooh, on my white look shirt. Look at that shirt. coffee pattern on his white shirt. Huh? Is it meant to be a blob from John Carpenter's movie? Oh, is it meant to be is that my grandmother knitting what you, by the fire? What you talking about? I'm, I look, I just accidentally spilled some coffee here. Y'all got me all worked what up. Else do you, trying what? to have an art event every day of the week. Director Smith, what do you see on this? I think we could sell that. I think we could probably have a, a children's workshop. We could get a full week out of that. Of uh, We can have kids spill coffee on their own clothes. Or just spill coffee on Counselor Tomlinson. He's got such an ample canvas. Oh, okay. Now that 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 feels hurtful. There, look, I'm I'm. Luckily, I brought an extra shirt because you know I'm kind of clumsy here. I'm just putting it on here. Hold on. Wait, what are you? No. Look, it looks like a. It's a unicorn. I can't. See it right there between your breasts. No, that's just what. It, oh, no, you don't want to say it like that. I'm Cut sorry, your man tits. Cut to <laughs> the newly minted hot beverage art day at the Arts Council. Look, I, I I appreciate that I've I'm not an artistic person. Get I'm glad your arms I'm, up. I'm trying to get the salve on Look, your chest. I appreciate I'm not artistic and I never get to contribute in this way. But my my chest is getting real raw from all the hot liquid y'all throwing at me. That's why we're putting the salve on it. I, can y'all at least buy me some shirts? I am all out of shirts. They're all stained. You said you wanted to contribute. Your shirts are all hanging up there in the gallery. This has been the most lucrative event we have had all year. Nobody's going to ever do a dunking booth again because now all you have to do is just throw hot coffee at getting, Councilman Thomas. Getting Dunkin' Donuts to sponsor it was a stroke of genius. I would actually appreciate a Dunkin' Tank here. I might be able to wash some shirts and maybe cool down my chest. Oh, the Dunkin' Tanks last. Oh, okay. Yeah, all right. the coffee's not quite hot enough yet. Yep. Wait, wait. Usually they're full of water. It's coffee. Do you know how hard it is to build a percolator that large? Do you know how hard it is to satisfy Dunkin' Donuts as your corporate sponsor? You've got to be dunked in coffee. I am not happy about all this. I Do you know how hard it is to build a Dunkin' Booth that in the shape of a coffee mug that has a witty saying on the side? Do you know how hard it is to keep throwing coffee at your man tits? That's, it's not too hard. Actually, that's quite easy. No, I don't that's true. I, I, I was on a roll with day. the rest of y'all, but uh, you know how easy it is to make you the object of our art exhibit? Well, we, need, we need other Councilman Tomlinson-centered projects. I don't like what the sound of any of this. What if we rolled you in a bunch of frosted sugar and just put you on a canvas and just like saw what sort of shapes your body made? <laughs> at what point is this still art? Y'all just throwing food at me all the I time. I believe you're the one that said that art is subjective. It is, but why does it have to be mean? <laughs> this is what the people want. You got to give the people. Sometimes you've got a lightning rod that you've tapped into of what the people want to see. Van Gogh died having only sold one painting. People are lined up down the street to see your man titties. And, and, and three choices. There's you. With all these various exhibits, there's uh -huh. old man McGillicuddy who's got the same stories about what he eats for breakfast. And then there's that Antullian hand axe. 
you're the most popular thing in the exhibits. Well, I mean, I, I, I like the part where I'm, I'm bigger than Van Gogh. You're bigger than Van Gogh. He didn't have the man titties. Now it's hurtful again. <laughs> That's what was holding Van Gogh back. That and the ear thing. <laughs> how do you feel if we cut off your ears, Mr. Tom- Councilman Tomlinson? Then you won't hear how mean-spirited we are. All right, we cut to Van Gogh meeting with his agent. The, the Van Gogh, uh, uh, the art, it's fine. Okay, with time, it's going to be great. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, um, have you thought about being fat? Oh. You're very skinny. I know you're a starving artist, but I feel like if Emphasis you Emphasis had... on starving. Emphasis on starving. Starving. I have no money for food. Yes, you see, the mantis, that is what's in right now. I, what am I... Do you have food for me? No, no, no. We've no. sold one painting in 30 years. I, I don't know like why I, I'm still sticking it out with I you. I feel like I have a bad agent. I'm I just going to say it. Oh, we're going to blame the agent and not the art. Or not your tits. I blame your tits personally. Because <laughs> I believe in the art. That's what's kept me here. I, 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 just, I, I have all these wonder, what I think are wonderful paintings. They're uh, tremendous. Yeah, I mean... I mean, Starry Night, That I really felt like that was going to go somewhere. I literally cry every time I see that painting. Have you shown it to anyone? Yeah, of course. Nobody wants it. They say, well, what are his tits like? <laughs> I tell them, I say, ah, hey, you know, that's so great. So and I they gotta, don't buy. So I got to say, I see them all hanging in your office. I don't ever see anybody going in your office. Well, maybe we're I hanging feel, the wrong thing in my office. I, don't, I feel like you're hoarding my work and maybe I'll die and then you can sell it off or crap tons of money there is that so it looks to me van gogh we have two options right now number one you get some tits <laughs> number two you die <laughs> we cut to van gogh agent's other client tits mcgee <laughs> <laughs> ah tits mcgee my favorite client what's up boss man i'm doing you're what's keeping me alive right now if i was living on van gogh alone i would not be living okay yeah i am exhausted sun up to sundown nothing but tits tits painting the tits starry nights lots of titty self-portraits that, that had a whole period of those just press yourself against that canvas it sells every time i don't know where you're getting all these ideas from i'm happy to bring them to life well you know i i got to be honest i started every day working with van gogh nobody wants that art shit what they want <laughs> is the tits Oh, yes, yes, come into Van Gogh's I'm, agent's office. I'm sorry, uh, Claude Monet. I've, I've, I've been working on that thing you asked me to do. Water titties? <laughs> I'm just not sure it's going to sell. No, 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 no. Okay, okay. Trust me on this, okay? Now, water titties? Yes. Not water lilies. No. Water titties. <laughs> Who wants to look at flowers? Who wants to look at moist press? <laughs> Raises hand. <laughs> yes, coming. Hey, your client, Pablo Picasso. Oh, Picasso. How how are your abstract titties coming? Ah, uh, I'm thinking titism is not selling as well as I would like. What? Titism. It isn't selling. I want to go back to cubism. What? No, nobody wants a square tit. <laughs> yes, coming. Hello, Salvador Dali. Dali, look. I keep making these paintings of these melty tits. Okay, I keep telling you, you're the one client I got. Nobody wants a saggy, melty tit, okay? <laughs> Just clocks? Just clocks? Or cocks? You said melty clocks or cocks? Melty cocks? Let's say yes. <laughs> okay, I'll go make uh, I'll make all the melty cocks. <laughs> That's Dolly. He is the one exception. <laughs> and sing. <laughs> All these guys lived at the same time, right? Absolutely. Oh, I was yeah. Yeah. Of course. Of I was course. gonna say as, as soon as you dove into Monet, I was like, oh, I can go wherever the hell yeah, I want. Exactly. Yeah. That's what right. does Jackson Pollock not want to come in today? <laughs> I got a different problem with that guy. <laughs> it's all spatter all the time. <laughs> Tit spatter. <laughs> well, we did have a flask full of body temperature milk. Oh, oh. you got a flask. I mean, that's what sells, though, right? Tits? Tits. Tits. Yeah. Come on. That's what that dollar store needed. Tits. <laughs> <laughs> Dollar tips, the worst strip club in town. My customers are like family. <laughs> Big hugs. Bunch of bunch of bunch of bunch of small town news. Bunch of bunch of bunch of bunch of small town news. Bunch of bunch of bunch of bunch of small town news.
You've just tolerated another episode of Small Town News, a production of Small Town News, LLC. Today's episode of Small Town News was inspired by the Milford Orange Bulletin of Orange, Connecticut, and stories written by Pam McLaughlin, Jill K. Dion, Jordan Grice, Ben Lambert, and Kendra Wingate. Episodes are performed and produced by Keith Boyd, George Oliver, Neil Oliver, and Craig Ramey. Research by Dr. Jessica Saxon. Music performed by George Oliver's tits. <laughs> it's hard to do in a banjo. <laughs> <laughs> the cat gut is not giving. <laughs> this episode was recorded in the historic Clark's Drugstore Building in Newburn, North Carolina. Small Town News is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon, and your granny's gramophone. Like what you hear, leave us a review and subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram for behind-the-scenes tits. <laughs> Exclusive tits. And opportunities to share your favorite small town. Tits. Watch this now be the one time that people actually share pictures of what <laughs> just a bunch of tits. <laughs> From their small town. <sighs> You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram for behind-the-scenes photos, exclusive updates, and opportunities to share your favorite small-town news. Thanks for joining us. And remember, man titties! (laughs) (laughs) I know it's not going to work at a hot dog place. And they've always had good hot dogs. Like, every time I've... We've stopped a couple of times. I I mean, they're hot dogs, but... Can you see what the infrastructure <laughs> is dogs. back there? Like when you look behind the counter, it's like, well, Dude, clearly, you can walk in three feet, yeah. and there's yeah, the it's counter. It's a small building, and then they yeah. see the giant pizza. Oven. Don't <laughs> wait. So you want to see it's the, the car lift the... in the back that oh, really no, gets no, no, me? Keith wants to see the back of the house operation of a hot dog stand. No. Like I just imagine a cart in front of the Lowe's. Exactly. No, no, no. Exactly. Walk around. I no. mean, regardless of the building size, all you need is a cart, right? No, wait. No, that's what's Craig, in the back. That's what I'm saying, Craig. I am with you. Like, I, like when you walk inside of this hot dog establishment here in Newburn, like when you walk in there and you look at what they have behind the counter, do you literally just say, "Well"? All they can do is hot dogs. That's all you can do in this space, yeah, clearly. It, yeah, I mean, it's little. It There's not a lot of room to sit down and eat. It's So you need a food that you take it, with you. It was a seafood place, what, right? Yeah, it was a, a bait shop, yeah. wasn't it? It wasn't even seafood. I thought it was a, a bait seafood shop. market. Well, yeah. Sort of, well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if the building's that small, I mean, the seafood's only the size of bait. Seafood today, bait tomorrow. Just kind of happens. <laughs> Say, as long as there's a bigger fish, isn't everything bait? Absolutely. What does, We're bait. About, what does it say about hot dogs? So they just transitioned to That's hot dog bait. There's, yeah. al- there's also something a little sad about eating hot dogs in a restaurant. Like you're supposed to yeah. eat a hot dog standing up. <laughs> Right. <laughs> With some kind of sport thing happening, yeah. right? Yeah. Or that's the only time you should be sitting down or, is if there's a ball game of some form happening in front of you, or yeah, some kind of national fair. holiday, yes. national holiday, or you're home alone, or if it's an eating contest. That's the only other time you can that's sit true. down and eat. That's what they that's need true. is a good eating contest at this. Who said that day? hot dogs was the eating component? Like the number one food. Nathan's. Yeah. Yeah. The hot so, dog yeah. place. So okay, this is that how is. the hot dog place in town is going to survive. They have hot dog eating contests every day at 1230. They charge you for everyone you eat. No, 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 no. No, it's just a flat cost. I mean. 20 bucks. Most people are going to not pay more than $10 for their hot dogs, right? That's a lot for hot dogs, right? So here's How many hot dogs? Sit down, 1230, you and all your buddies line up. All the hot dogs. Five minutes. Five minutes. As many as you want. Yeah. People will be and then no you get toppings. a trophy. You get a trophy every day. Every day gets a trophy. <laughs> <laughs> and then once a year, you line it up. How many trophies you get? You win for the year. Yeah. Enter by twelve fifteen at the table at twelve thirty. Ring a bell. Hold that trophy up. It's shaped like a big wiener, right? <laughs> and you 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 make your money and you go home. You're done for the day. Yes. Close up shop. <laughs> Time for donut stuff. Dump out the hot dog water and call it a day. <laughs> <laughs>